You're listening to SpartanUpPodcast.com, where we study success and everything required to create it. We interview people from all over the world that are successful, no matter how they define it. Hey, here we are in the Amy Barn, Pittsfield, Vermont, for SpartanUpPodcast.com. We have our crack team of uh, Colonel Nye on my left. <laughs> Cracker number one. Cracker and Jack number one. I'm going to jump out of order for a second. I'm going to point right at the camera here to Marion Abrams. Marion, nodding up and down. Uh, our well, I want to do something unique. Sure. Why don't um, I jump out? I'll hold the camera and we'll get Marion in here. Yeah, let's do Love this. Let's do that. Do this. But I just want to say before we do that, this interview, yeah. it'll start out as a sleeper. You got to watch this one twice. This could be one of our best podcasts ever. You guys haven't seen it yet, I've heard but the that, information, yeah. the information that this guy will give is going to blow you away. Yeah. Okay, Fernando, let's get Marion up here. But I'm glad Come you're on, Marion. You're the only guy who can afford to pay for it if you break it. So, I can't reach the microphone. Do hang in because while it will be our best interview possibly of the whole thing i guarantee it's gonna be our worst intro as far as how the camera's being held <laughs> we are here at cornell university in ithaca new york we're spartan up the podcast we're here with professor sternberg at cornell and we want to talk about psychology we're going to call him bob when did you when did you first become interested in psychology i became interested in psychology when i was in early elementary school they would give group IQ tests every year or two, and I would bomb them. So I was interested in why I did so poorly on intelligence tests. And you, and you wanted to dig deeper and find out what... Yeah, um, still working on it. Still working on it for yourself, yeah. <laughs> or just learning, or what? <laughs> well, it's a lifelong endeavor. You've, you've studied um, cognitive psychology, educational psychology, every kind of psychology there is. Um, what's the most fascinating to you? The most fascinating is that in our society we continue to use standardized tests like IQ tests, SATs, ACTs, GREs that are based on a theory that's more than 100 years old. And if we were still using medical tests from 100 years ago, it would be really bizarre. How would you change those tests? The tests we use the standardized tests measure primarily memory, your, what you remember, your knowledge, and your ability to analyze that knowledge. But in life, that's a very small part of what you do. So what I think we should do is add creative thinking, uh, which is your ability to come up with ideas that are new and good, practical thinking or common sense, which is whether you can apply your intelligence to things in your everyday life, uh, and wisdom and ethics, whether you use your abilities and your knowledge for a common good and act ethically. And, and you, would, um, you would create courses around this as well as exams? Well, when I was Dean of Arts and Sciences at Tufts and Provost at Oklahoma State University, we put onto our admissions application questions that measured creative, practical, and wise thinking. And we found that we increased prediction of academic performance. We increased prediction of extracurricular performance, which in the long run is more important. And we decreased ethnic group differences. It, it resulted in our admitting different kinds of kids, uh, kids who were more interesting, who were uh, creative in their thinking, who had a lot of comments, the future leaders, basically, of this country. So instead of 
uh, instead of selecting leaders who are just good at remembering a bunch of facts that they'll never need uh, and who have high IQs that they can't, don't know how to use, uh, we were selecting people who would become real leaders and make a positive, meaningful, and enduring difference to the world. Are those kinds of um, attributes that you talk about, are, can you develop those, or, or is that something that you're either born with or, or not? You absolutely can develop those attributes, and that's what a good university does. I think a good university uh, develops leadership skills, ethical leadership skills in kids. It teaches them that it's not enough just to memorize a bunch of stuff that you'll forget, uh, that you need to be creative, you need to be passionate about what you do, you need to be able to face reverses when things go wrong and uh, overcome obstacles. You need to have a sense of humor about yourself and about others. You need to uh, persevere in the face of difficulties and take risks. So a good university would focus on leadership skills, not just academic content. How would you teach that to a human being? Well, uh, in my leadership course, what I've done is the first hour of the course is having a leader come in from the outside and just talk about how he got from being or she got from being a college student to being where he or she is today and then have the students ask questions and he or she answers questions. So one thing is just the learning from people who are really doing it as opposed to just from people who study it. Another thing is analyzing real-world leaders and trying to figure out what they've done well and what they've done not so well and how you can learn from that. Another thing is analyzing your own leadership and asking what are the things you've done well and what are the mistakes you've made and how would you correct them the next time. Another thing I do is emphasize case studies and also try to integrate the academic part of school with the extracurricular part of school. Instead of looking at them as competing with each other, see them as complementary to each other and both being important. It's funny you should say that because I, I was very lucky in that I was running a business while I was going to school. And I would say I would have gotten a different education had I not been doing that because I was able to apply all the stuff I was learning in the classroom to what was going on every day running that business. Yeah. And, and it became... Um, very interesting to me because any little bit of information I can get would help my business immediately. And so, and so do, you, do you push to get the kids out doing things and leading? And Yeah, I think that, that you know, running a business or being a president of a club or an editor of a newspaper or a yearbook or doing service learning, any kind of activity in which you can take what you learn in school and apply it, is far superior than just reading all the time and taking tests on it. My son Seth did the same thing and it worked out really well for him. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's a game changer. Yeah. Um, so we, we're a Spartan race. I told you a little bit about it, right? We've got uh, a million participants uh, jumping over fire, crawling under barbed wire, and just believing in this ethos where you can push further than you think you can. And, and when you do, you start to build something we call obstacle immunity. What advice would you give us as a company? Like, what, what tools could we give people to better uh, learn from the experience we're giving them, the physical experience? I think the physical experience is really good because 
the biggest problem people have in life is not that their IQs aren't high enough. I've actually said this in my lectures on creativity. Um, the example I use is if I look at the people who went to graduate school with me, most of them disappeared. You don't read about them. And the reason isn't IQ point, lack of IQ points. It's that somewhere in their life they encountered an obstacle. And it may, not, it may have been the first, the second, or the third, and they just gave up. And so if you look at the people who succeed, it's often just the ones who don't give up. I think that the crucial thing in the case of your course is transfer. It's how can you transfer that physical experience and those challenges to your life and making sure that the individuals who are in the program see that connection so that they don't go out and say, well, what I can do is climb over a barbed wire fence. That they can say, that enabled me to see how in my job, uh, I have a barbed wire fence in my job, and now I can see how I can get over that. It's funny you say, you say that. I'm learning as I'm, I'm talking to you here, because um, when I first got into racing myself, I was doing very long races, seven, eight days long. And invariably, we ran into problems, and we were going to quit because we're lost for 15 hours and there's no sense continuing because we're gonna come in last. But somebody with more experience on our team said, let's just stick it out anyway. And you get to the finish line and you found out everybody had problems yeah. and 80% of the field quit and we came in top 10 just because we didn't quit. Yeah. And then on top of that, I, I ended up in finance, I'm on Wall Street and I noticed over the years, the people that do the best are not smarter. They're not necessarily, they just don't get fired, <laughs> they don't quit, <laughs> and they just stay in a seat, and you just keep moving up and moving up and moving up. So it's that principle, right? Yeah, it, it's that you keep going in the face of obstacles, you persevere, but also it's sometimes that you realize you're running the wrong race. Um, many of us in life end up uh, in dead ends, and so perseverance is really important, but perseveration Perseveration, they where call you keep trying to go and you're in the wrong race or you're on the wrong road or the wrong highway isn't good. So it's, it's kind of a balance between you're in a tough environment and adapting to it. Or if that doesn't work, trying to shape the environment, ask yourself, how can I make this uh, race or this highway a better place for me? Uh, and sometimes it's selection. It's getting out and saying, I'm in the wrong race, I'm in the wrong job, I'm in the wrong marriage, I'm in the wrong whatever and saying, I, I, I don't want to perseverate. I want to use all my talents, but for a better thing. That's the, it sounds like the most delicate, difficult question you just asked. Like, how would you know, if, if we're talking to four million people out there watching this, how, how would someone know they're in the wrong race versus I got to tough it out? Yeah, you know, knowing you're in the wrong race isn't the hard part. It's uh, because you feel it. Uh, what happens is you feel you're in the wrong race and then you start creating reasons to tell yourself why you're going to stay in it. Uh, generally when people are in the wrong job, they feel it and then they start making up reasons why they're too chicken to quit. And the people I know, I'm 64 at my age or near to it, who have been the happiest are people who say, you know, I was a lawyer, say, for 20, 30 years, they say, and it was a good 20, 30 years, but now I want to do something else. I want to work in a museum. Or I tried being a professor, and now I'd like to be an administrator. I tried being an administrator, and now I'd like to be a teacher. Uh, you feel it. When the time comes, you feel it. 
the hard thing isn't the re the figuring out that it's time to move. The hard thing is not chickening out of doing it and not rationalizing, well, I'm scared to leave. I'm scared to do this. I'm scared. And you might not even tell yourself you're scared. You just start thinking of reasons why you can't move on in your life. Let's take a uh, two-second break, and we're going to come right back and learn the most important lesson in life. I hope you're not sitting still while you listen. If you are, you better get a burpee break in. My producer says we need a lot of reviews on iTunes so that Apple will make it easy for you to find our show. Can you help us out by subscribing and writing a review? We'd really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Ready? So, so we're back, and I'm just wrestling with this, this concept because um, I think in my own life, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, my family and I moved to Pittsfield, Vermont, middle of nowhere. There's only 400 people in the town. And we attempted to renovate some businesses, an old general store, a farm, uh, turn a wedding business into something. And I got to tell you, it's a pretty uphill battle in a town of 400 people. Like, we picked the wrong location from a um, demographic standpoint. But um, I'm, I'm a person who believes in perseverance. I'm going to not stop until we succeed. At some point, somebody, somebody said, like, you just, like, it's okay to lose, but you got to lose fast. And I, I don't, like, I don't know. I feel like if I push through another 10 years, I'll make this work. You decide how important things are to you, and that, I think, tells you whether you want to keep going. I was going to cheat and say, is there a three-question test you could ask yourself um, when you're going through that decision-making process? Uh, but you think it's a gut feeling more than that? Yeah, I think that when you start rationalizing it, you you make up stories. I think that if you feel that, you know, the thing you could ask yourself is, do you want to be here in five years? Do you want to be here in 10 years? Uh, what kind of future do you see for yourself? And if you, you know, you, your clue was when you said, if I stay here 10 years and it was Pittsfield, Vermont, Pittsfield, Vermont. Uh, if I stay here 10 years, I can make this work. But when I've left places or I've left jobs, I've looked five, ten years forward and I see nothing but ashes. So I think that's a good test. That's a good test. Look forward to it and say, uh, is this a place I want to be in five years? Am I excited about the potential or am I just kind of pedaling my bike and it's not moving? It's a stationary bicycle. So, so then let's fast forward to the guy that's climbing Everest or the woman that's climbing Everest. And they've persevered through 20 big decisions in their life, which have proved out to be successful. They, the, the marriage worked out. They, they went through rough times. The business worked out. Um, they pushed through tough times. They were great at sports. Now they're 100 feet from summiting Mount Everest. They uh, are past the deadline because they're supposed to summit, let's say, by 12 noon. But it's only another 100 feet. And everything in their life has worked out through perseverance. How do you make that decision? You know, one of the case studies we use in my leadership course is about a group that climbed Danapur. And they were all very good mountain climbers and they had a good leader. Uh, and things were starting to go wrong. Uh, and they decided to tough it out, uh, even though things had gone horribly wrong and ended up with some deaths. So. I think that what you need to ask yourself is, what do you mean by achieving success? And achieving success is not always getting to your original goal. It's that sometimes that 
sometimes the row was the right row, but the goal wasn't the right goal. And so you might ask, is it time to take a diversion off the road toward another goal? Uh, and that second goal may be as good as or better than the first one. And, and, and so sometimes the road is right, but the goal is wrong. And sometimes the goal is right, but the road is wrong. And you have to. And what happens to people who lose their jobs because of ethical issues is often the goal is okay, but they're taking the wrong road to get there. So you constantly have to ask yourself about the means and the ends. And those things change throughout your life. The problem people have is that sometimes they pick a goal that was right for them 10 minutes ago or 10 hours ago or 10 years ago. Or sometimes they pick a road that made sense at one point, not another. So I think what's important is constantly to be re-examining both where you're going and how you're getting there, which means that there isn't one right answer to the question. No, and that's what makes the question so tough, right? If it was that easy, everybody would be successful. Yeah. Everybody would be summiting um, Everest. Or, or, yeah. or the high peaks. But um, if you're doing Hail Mary passes, whether it's in football or basketball or mountain climbing, and you're just uh, hoping for the best, that's not good enough. What I ask myself is, what's the best possible outcome if I follow this path? What's the worst possible outcome and what's the most likely outcome? And if the best outcome isn't that good, or the worst outcome is really awful, or the expected value, the most likely outcome, is below what I want, then I say, then maybe I'm in the wrong business. So let's use it in the example of the mountain climber. The mountain climber's best outcome is everybody summits, and he becomes a hero for his team, right? Uh, the worst outcome is everybody dies. Um, the most likely, I guess, I guess that's what he had a tough time And what for. happened in Annapur is some people made it and some didn't. Right. And then you have to decide what value you place on human life. And if you decide that having some people die, having anybody die, is unacceptable. That makes your decision yeah, for you. So right. it's really, but, you, but I don't think that there's a right answer. But there is a right process, which is really considering the costs and benefits and what, what's a cost to you and a benefit to you may be different for somebody else. How much do you value human life? How much do you value being able to say you made it to the top? And who's going to care if you lost some people in the process? If you get your company to the peak, but you do it in an unethical way, are you really going to get a lot of credit for that? So you, you just have to keep asking yourself those questions. I like, um, we interviewed a, a gentleman the other day. He said, um, at the beginning, whether it's climbing the mountain, building a business, starting a career, you have to ask yourself, what do you want your legacy to be? Yeah. And that's a great question, right? It's a great question. Because if you start with that, then, it, it, then it's the, the, the road appears that you're supposed to take. To me, the meaning of life is how is the world different as a result of your being in it? How is it different and better? And if you can't figure out any way it's different and better, then maybe you're doing the wrong thing. And what I would say at my age, uh, when I was young, I was very professionally focused, and I really wanted to be successful. And in some ways, I guess as a scholar, I was or have been. But what you come to realize is that as soon as people announce they're going to retire, it's like they're off the map. You know, as soon as you announce you're retiring, it's like you don't exist. And so the conclusion I've come to personally for myself is that what really matters is my five kids, that, that the legacy that's going to last, you know, my theories may be in textbooks and they may be cited, but, you know, what I've said to my students is look at all these people who thought in their lifetimes their theories would last forever. Now they're either forgotten or they're fodder. You know, people use their theories to show how wrong they are. 
So you have to ask, what's, what's, gonna la what's your legacy? What's going to last beyond me? And uh, I think that my theories may continue in textbooks or, you know, a business may continue after you die. But what will really keep going, I think, is your kids and your grandkids and their great-grandkids. And, and, so, and so that's I'm, I'm personally wrestling with that now. We have four young children. And, um, yeah, I'm wrestling with that every day. But I think if you get into old age and look back, you know, you, you'll ask yourself, was it worth it? All right. Okay. Thanks thank for doing you. that. Good. That was good. So, where do you think you'll be in ten years, Joe? So, um, I, I my life has been bucketed into um, buckets, and um, the lots first of five gallon buckets and lots of five gallon buckets. The first uh, ten year bucket was um, at about eleven years old. Uh, my dad lost everything. We were doing well. He lost everything, and uh, and so I started working. And I quickly determined that um, my true north, my legacy, my next 10 years or however long it was going to take was to build a business. Then I had a new plan. Then it was, all right, I met my wife and, and I wanted to uh, just grow a family and build a relationship and, and make it happen. And, uh, and so we moved to Vermont and, and that was 100% of my focus. But uh, I've since gotten off track. <laughs> And I've lost my way with my true north because I am here doing the podcast with you and not hanging out with my kids. Um, and we're doing tons of great races. <laughs> we're doing the podcast with you, Joe. <laughs> oh, you guys are doing the podcast with me. That's right. And I'm not hanging out with my kids. And, um, and so, I don't know. Did that answer the question? Yeah, I think it does for me because I think it is very hard for anyone to know where they're going to be in 10 years. And we've gone over this before. Well, you might you not could, know where you're going you, to be, but you, you can, could, you you can, can say set, where you want to go. Correct. You can set goals and try to achieve them. Uh, but life has a funny way of kind of making you take different choices sometimes. And sometimes they, they're for the better. I mean, and they work out. So the question becomes, as we talked about it, as you go down there and you've set that goal, how hard do you go down one track before you know well, I will that tell you, it's very hard, and, and Dr. Johnny will chime in, and I'm sure you'll have a horticultural approach to this, but um, it's very hard to turn around. Uh, in the most simplistic uh, answer, uh, in an adventure race, you go an hour or two hours in the wrong direction, you figure it out, you don't want to turn around. Sure. You, don't, you, you never want to. You probably bad. have that uh, experience right. in the military. Right. Right. You don't want to turn around. It's against your nature. And... Um, and so you better have true north right because, because it's instinctual not to turn around. There's, there's, there's two different ideas that we want to make sure that we look at. One is you have a goal that is completely aligned with your values. It's what you're truly committed to in life. You're going to keep doing that. You know, so the idea about turning around there, um, you don't turn around. And, and in the interview, he talks about you know, sometimes success is just not giving up, sticking with something. But that's because it is your true north. You have that and you're always going to be moving towards that. You may have to change tax. You may have to do whatever. But the, don't confuse that with the sunk cost fallacy. And the sunk cost fallacy is I've been in this job for 30 years. I got a pension coming in 10 more. I can't walk away from this. That's the sunk cost fallacy where it's, it isn't in line with your values. It's just because you've been there so long or because- You're on good money after bad. Right. Good money after bad. Or you talk about relationships, you know, well, it's the devil you know, right? That's the sunk cost fallacy. You're stuck in something. But, As but, opposed to, I truly believe this is what I'm meant to do and this is where I'm going. It's a different story. Um, but even that, you know, you've talked before the, uh, the Everest example. You know, I'm gonna get to the top of Everest no matter what. Sometimes. It's optional to get to the top. It's mandatory to get down. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, with Everest, 
uh, we talked about it in the interview, right? Um, it depends on what your legacy, what you want your legacy to be, what you want true, wh where true north is. Because if you want to be the greatest mountain climber ever, and you've got to get up there the tenth time to to get the accolades, you go for it. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's an easy Maybe. decision, right? If you want to get home to your, your wife and kids, you probably turn around. Yeah. Which is why it's great to climb mountains before you get married. <laughs> you know, and we, we've right. talked about no, that, that's right? right. That's you, right. You get conservative, you start taking less chances, you get more responsibility. You know, a lot of this um, is just like trading stocks or derivatives, right? Because um, think about it, I'm sure everybody's owned a stock here, um, but you get stuck. Maybe, maybe not in the same root stock. magnitude. <laughs> no, no, but whatever, but whatever, you've invested, you bought a couple sure. of shares of Apple, whatever it may yeah, sure. be, right? And then, and then it goes down. Yeah. And, 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 and you're, you're, well, it's going right. to turn around, it's going to be okay, and, and you don't want to let go. And uh, ultimately, when you've bared the most pain, which is the worst time to let it go, that's yeah. when you let it go. Sure. Now you've gone 18 miles in the wrong direction, or 18 years yeah. in the wrong job, right? Yeah. And, and then you leave. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I mean, it's tough. It, this, is, this is like a $64 million question. Well, right? the, the good I news mean, is we're 96 podcasts in, I think, where the goal is 500, and by 500, we'll have all the answers. I think right now we're still working on the questions. We're coming up with the right questions now, and we're getting some cool answers. We're getting some good answers. I think, yeah, yeah. I, in terms what do you of think? well, if I think about you know agroforestry and stuff like that, I mean, so there's successive planting when you build a food forest, right? So the first year out when you when you plant your fruit trees, right? You can have you can have sun loving plants that are underneath it, but as that tree grows older, you have successive plantings because then that's going to shade it out, and then you need shade loving plants, right? And so if you're planting for the future, this is going to be an orchard or food forest that lasts forever, or or like these guys who plant really valuable timber trees for their kids, right? You have to think about all right. Well, what do I need to do now? And what does this what does this ecosystem environment call for? What are my goals here? And then how is that going to change? How can I look forward? And I think and I think trying to think of success as he talks about it is um it is it's like you you have to sort of have like a long range goal like mine's like a water world chic type ethos that's like my ten year goal you know but but I think a lot of people um it's helpful to say all right, well, how do I need to till my soil to, to, make, to make that how, possible? How did he define success? Just he said, trying, right? yeah, he said success is don't give up and don't, don't up quit, right? Un and stop creating reasons or, or stop creating reasons to not change and figure out how, how to move. Yeah, right? yeah so. Well, and so, but that comes back to that true north. Yeah. If you've got that true north, mm -hmm. don't quit doesn't mean keep going this one crazy direction. You know, we'll put it, take it back to relationships. If your goal is to have an unbelievably awesome, loving relationship, it doesn't mean I'm going to stick with this one until I can force it into being that. If it's going to be a business success, somewhere along the way, you may bail out on this business because it's not the one that's going to get you to be a business success. You know, and you've, you've made yeah, the analogy. Don't fall to, in love with the plan. Don't fall in love with the idea. Exactly. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Because it's going to change. Have, 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 have the goal, but understand there might be right. a number be of ways flexible. to Be flexible. There you go. How's that? Adaptive. Cool. Not Adaptive. Yet. Speaking of being flexible, I got to stretch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Burpee break. <laughs> you should stretch also. You can go to SpartanUpPodcast.com. Where in Colonel Nye's interactive corner, he can give you all kinds I of will stretches. Stretch their minds. 